Thank you for everyone for tuning into this episode of the Just Pews podcast, the official podcast for JustPews.com. I'm your host, Mike, and today I have a very special guest joining me. But before we get to that, if you're enjoying the podcasts or even the website, be sure to follow along on Instagram and Facebook at Just Pews and cons- consider supporting the content for as little as a dollar a month on Patreon. Without further ado, it's time that I welcome none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Ed Black. Also known as the man behind, I survived the Kali Yuga, the only comic I've literally ever followed along with in my life. Ed, how are you doing? And why don't you go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we get going? All right. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm doing great. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm Ed Black. Uh, I'm the uh, writer, illustrator of uh, I Survived the Kali Yuga. Um, It's a, uh, I guess you would call it a a satirical um, black comedy uh, film noir type of uh, type of get up thing that I got going on there. And uh, I kind of loosely base it on my uh, my real life vocation. I'm a private investigator um, in my my day job. And uh, the, you know, I make comics just kind of for fun and, and tidy little chump change there. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest of it's just kind of, you know, just, just fun stuff. I, I blend in a couple different genres here and there, and sometimes they're, uh, they're one-offs and, and um, you know, little, little jokey strips and other times they're full on arcs and serials. So uh, you know, I kind of do a little bit of everything on the page. Um, fairly internet famous now, I guess. Uh, niche internet celebrity is a... Uh, <laughs> as i call it i love I, I remember that one time you got into that argument with that person you're like i'm gonna go tell my following and you're just like okay yeah i mean let, let's go ahead and have a comparison here about who has the following uh that, that, that you know the funny thing is I, that doesn't even narrow it down like whatever argument that was that's, that's happened so many times yeah, i think you posted like three times since we've become friends i, I think so probably something like that i don't know uh you know it's it's all just it's for fun man i mean you know anybody that takes the internet seriously is just you know you're asking for fucking trouble at that point i mean you really are i mean yeah. if you get onto the internet and you expect everyone to take it uber seriously i mean it, you're the kid that took your ball home because someone tagged you exactly exactly (laughs) so all right you had this post a little while ago i think it was on uh, i'm pretty sure it was on i survived the cali yugo yeah where you where you mentioned uh that you used to carry a stethoscope yeah um so uh way back when uh, many many years ago i think uh over a decade now um i was a uh i was a paramedic by trade so i um yeah, I did that for a while. Um, that was just one of my many, many jobs before I did this. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of you know, did that for a while and um, hung that up just because uh, I, I wasn't really making a lot of money doing that. And, you know, you kind of, you burn yourself out and that, and that line of work pretty quickly. And um, it just wasn't for me. I know, I know guys that, you know, they, they're 20 year guys in that field and, you know, they really get down with it. They really like doing it, but um you know, I, for me, it was kind of one of those, you know, get the skill set and then kind of just move on uh, kind of situations. So, uh, yeah, I, I carry the stethoscope in my bag now, and that's that's where it stays pretty much. I can imagine that that type of schedule would be very uh, counterproductive towards having a family, because I know you are a family man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, uh, I was definitely not a family man uh, when I was a paramedic. I was, uh, I was kind of all over the place with that. But, uh, yeah, I... Um, I, I couldn't imagine having that kind of uh, uh, work-life balance that I have now um, doing that still. It, it, it'd just be, it'd be nuts. And, you know, you, you, 
you always bring your work home with you, whether you, you mean to or not. And, uh, you know, I can, I can come home to my family nowadays and, you know, I, I might have a stressful day or whatever, you know, some we'll see some wild shit in the field sometimes, but, um, you know, I'm not seeing freaking you know, dead babies and, you know, people with their heads through a windshield and shit like that all the time. So, you know, it's not filtering down to my kids and my wife, you know, and I yeah. think that's, uh, that's good. Yeah, I can imagine like now it's just like it's kind of like being an EMT kind of prepared you for seeing that stuff. Yeah. But but now it's like it's so, like you have it happen, but now you're just kind of like, OK, it doesn't yeah. bug you as much. And you, you because you aren't seeing it as often. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we have um, in the industry, I, I call them NPC encounters where uh, you're on the road and just random weird things will happen, you know, um, and I, I, I can't. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've come across car accidents on the job. You know, I've had to like hop out and be a first responder to those, of, um, you know, random, random things. When the um, COVID hit uh, first, there was a, a guy I was working in Chicago and he just like was stumbling around some bum and he was stumbling around. He keeled over dead. And he just fucking like collapsed right in the street in front of me when I was in my car. But I pulled over, rushed out to like, you know, help him out and do CPR and uh, the paramedics came up and actually yelled at me because, you know, they were all like, what are you doing touching people? There's a virus. What and I'm like, whoa, okay. You know, you take it from here, guys. Yeah, like, what am I supposed to do? Just watch this guy die on the side? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, you know, <laughs> safety first, I guess, but come on. Um, yeah, so, you know, and just random stuff like that will happen all the time. Um, you know, my wife calls me a, a shit magnet in that regard, and that's, that's pretty true. So um, you just kind of have to roll with it. What made you what made you become a private investigator? Is it something that you wanted to do since you were a kid? Is it something that you just like came across? Um yes. Uh so basically I love that. Just, just, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. So, you know, when I was in uh when I was a very young man, I, I right out of high school, I I um, you know, I started studying criminal justice and stuff like that. And then I had the, had the mindset that I was going to go into law enforcement and then just kind of, um, you know, segue into private investigation. Cause it sounded like a cool job and, uh, you know, life kind of didn't, uh, take me in that direction. It kind of took me in a whole bunch of other directions. And, um, you know, I ended up through a very circuitous route coming to it much later in life. Um, I was probably 29, 30, um, when I, I far, first started it, um, I had a buddy that uh, he was a, a former uh, uh, recon uh, in the Marines, and he had just kind of segued into being a private investigator. And we were hanging out one day, and you know, he was telling me about his job. I'm like, "Hey, man, that sounds really cool. You know, I'd love to get into that." Um, I don't know how though. And he says, "Like, well, you know, just apply. I'll I'll get you, and I'll put a word in for you." And I said, "Oh, really?" And and uh, yeah, I I applied at the company he was working for, and um, yeah, they hired me and the rest is history. I, uh, I've been doing that ever since. And that was just, that was my big break moment, really. Um, you know, once I started doing that, everything kind of, you know, just fell into place um, with the rest of my life. It was, it was really kind of a watershed moment. So are you, are you working, for, like, are you in business for yourself right now? Or are you still working for, uh, for a company to do the private investigations? uh once again yes um so uh i do a little bit of both um i have my own hustle where i do um mostly things like infidelity and, and um you know genealogy that sort of thing uh little nickel and dime cases here and there you know I, i've i've done um uh extradition files where you know a bounty hunter from out of state will you know because you can't bounty hunt in the state of illinois they'll they'll contact me to kind of liaison with the cops and 
um, you know, bring in a fugitive that way, and then the bondsmen come and, and pick them up and, and extradite them back to wherever they're they're um, they were arrested in. Um, and that's just my own hustle. And then uh, I work for you know, a couple companies, and they they do um, uh, insurance stuff for the most part. And that's that's really the bread and butter of the uh, the industry is is insurance fraud. Um, most of the the cases that I work are related to that. I bet it's going to be really, really fun here in a couple of years when everyone starts having the side effects from the COVID vaccine. Yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, I was, I was talking about that earlier today, actually. Um, no, that's, uh, that's very true. And, and I think that's going to replace uh, back injuries for the, the number one fraud uh, that's going on in the industry is, is uh, you know, people are going to be claiming like, oh, I can't, you know, go to work because I got post-COVID syndrome and, you know, it's three years on and I still can't breathe right. And, you know, we're going to be catching them riding bikes and shit. That's um, it's already starting to happen. Uh, I picked up a few COVID cases in the last year um, for insurance claims, and it's it's just going to get worse from here. I can pretty much guarantee it. Well, I mean, at least that you know guarantees a steady paycheck. Exactly, exactly. You know, that's uh, money in the bank as far as I'm concerned. Keep at it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? When did you decide to start? I survived the Cali Yuga. Was it right after you got into the private investigations? Or was it afterwards? Did did you have a case that kind of triggered it? No, I, um, I've been doing it for a few years, uh, at that point. And, um, I think my wife and I had just got my house and, uh, you know, we were kind of just settling into the, to the groove of everything. And, um, I was, I was running meme pages, um, before we started the one I was talking about. And, uh, and I kind of, um, had this idea that, you know, Hey, what if I turn this into like a kind of a one-off web comic, you know, you know, I, every once in a while I'll come up with something funny and, you know, people laugh at it. So why not? I'll just, I'll put it to the wind and see, uh, see where it picks up. And, um, after a while, it just kind of, uh, snowballed from there. And, um, you know, when I was, when I was younger, I kind of dabbled in, um, uh, writing like novellas and stuff. And, uh, those never really went anywhere as far as like, um, you know, a broad audience or anything, but, this kind of gave me the opportunity to, to do that um, to a uh, broader audience that I was actually able to reach people with because, you know, comics on Facebook, you know, that's, that's easiest way to get reach. Um, and then, yeah, people started reading it and they, they seem to like it. I I've been, yeah, going, doing this since probably 2018 and uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's carried on since then. And I've, I've only gotten, you know, bigger audience as time has gone on. So people, I guess, like it, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's. I think they do. I mean, you're almost at what thirteen thousand likes. You got like fifteen thousand following your page. Yeah, I think Facebook kind of fuzzes the numbers a bit on those because it has a you know it'll automatically uh, unlike certain things if you like beyond a certain threshold of other pages. It's it's really right, weird. Right. They kind of fucky with the algorithm what they do, but um, it really is because like there's one one uh, one page I follow. It's uh, I'm gonna butcher the name. It's Kanaz Tactical Group, and it's okay. it's ran by a guy named Robert Butler. So one of the sweetest guys in the gun industry. Sure. And the very first page I liked when I started this new account was his. And I right. went to it about a week ago and I somehow I unliked his page. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that's Facebook's doing. Um, they, they will do that. I think because um, they try to cycle in as much of their paid advertised content as they can to try to like uh, remove your, your reach room stuff. So if you want to mitigate that, you really got to just interact with pages all the time. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have as much time as I used to, to, to really interact with people on, on the comments uh, as much as you know, I'd like, but, um, I do try to, to respond to comments and, and interact with you guys. I, I really enjoy it. 
Um, right. And that's something I've always, I've always appreciated about the page. And, and even on your personal accounts, you do try to take the time to just talk with everyone about what's going on, what their questions are, trying to get back to them with their answers. And it's yeah, something, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't take the time to do that with the people that follow along with them. Well, you know, I, I really, I think it's great that you guys do. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, you put yourself out there a little bit with, uh, you know, anything in the realm of creating stuff and, and, um, you know, you guys are really the, the reason that I keep doing it, you know, um, you know, otherwise you're basically just jerking off to a, <laughs> to a mirror at that point, you know, if you, if you're yeah. reading what you're, you're <laughs> writing. So, um, no, I, I really appreciate every one of you guys. And, and, you know, I, I really, I do my best. I, I'm not as good as I would hope to, to really respond to everyone. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll look at my messages and I'll see stuff from like three weeks ago that like somebody answered, they asked a really good question. And I was like, Oh shit. Um, well, sorry for getting back to you so late, but here, here's my response to that. And you know, I get inundated with like maybe a hundred questions a day or something like that from people. And I try to answer them all. I, I promise you, I'm not ignoring you. You know, if you answer, if you ask a question and I, I don't answer in a timely fashion, it's because it's got buried somewhere. Yeah. Um, especially on the page. Cause those, it's weird how like the messenger will mess with your regular messages like you go to go tap the notification and it ends up being for the page but it takes you to your personal messages and then you yeah. never find it exactly exactly um yeah so there, there's been a lot of times where i've just uh you know I, it seems like i'm straight up ghosting people you know when uh, <laughs> i'm really like i didn't see it man i swear uh but yeah i i really try to, to interact with you guys as much as i can so uh, please do keep it up um i, I enjoy it and uh, i hope you guys keep reading because um you know you kind of give me a reason to keep improving. Well, I guess it's time I got to ask you with yep. Woe Unto Babylon, we're on part 20 now, right? Yes. Okay. Is, is, is the mutant creature saying the Alpha and Omega, right. is, is he the guy that you were talking to in the building? Which, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that's a spoiler alert, but uh, no, that one I'll answer. No, that's not the same guy. Is it? Is it? And again, this is going to be another spoiler. Is this the one that you already sent away from from this realm? Yeah. So um, if you guys have been reading back uh, all the way to, I think, 2019 or 2018, um, the ending of uh, A Walk in the Shadows, which was book two of uh, the comic series, um, of the serial specifically, uh, that was um, Mr. White, uh, Neil Arthotep uh, in the uh, Lovecraftian mythos. That's the same guy. Um, and that character is pretty much ubiquitous in all kinds of fiction. Stephen King's written about him. Um, you know, he, he ends up in a lot of different stuff. So I, I figured I'd run with that character because you know, Lovecraft's stuff, um, I don't think it was ever not public domain. I don't think he copywrote it um, specifically. Just he, he didn't do that. So all of his stuff that ever kind of went to, to print um, is, uh, for lack of a better word, open source. So anybody can kind of take those characters and run with it. And I think it's a, you know, I really liked his stuff, so I thought it was a nice nod to, to uh, Lovecraft's work to kind of include that um, that character across universes. You know, and, definitely. Uh, I think he'd probably. I think he. I don't know the guy, obviously, but I think he. <laughs> I think he'd enjoy. You know, I think he'd enjoy your comics. I would hope so. I would hope so. Um, you know, the the guys of that era kind of fellow travelers in, in a lot of um, in a lot of ways with what I what my views are and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I would hope that, uh, he would see it and wouldn't think like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You know? <laughs> yeah. He just, he just, he'll pop up. 
this was nothing that I believed. What are you talking about? <laughs> and you're going to just stand man. there like, this is what you're going to believe in now, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> get a locker nerd. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, with this being a firearms podcast, we got to bring them up every yes. now and again. Right. Sure. Okay. What do you carry on a daily basis if you carry a firearm every day? Yeah, uh, I, I do carry every day. It's a uh, Glock 19 Gen 3. Um, I run completely stock. Now I know that's uh, heresy, but uh, um, how dare you not use a Strike Industries red <laughs> magazine release? <laughs> I know, I know, right? Um, my my reasoning for that is uh, because I'm usually in uh, high threat situations um, where the potential to actually have to use it and then have to go to litigation um, is, is a lot higher than the average. Um, you know, Joe on the street. So, uh, you know, I basically have the mindset of like, okay, if I lose this thing to the evidence locker, I'm not really going to be hurting afterwards. You know, I can just get another one. And it's not going to really set me back, you know, Glock's a Glock's a Glock. Um, and that's kind of, kind of my, always been my mindset. You know, I know. And then there's, there's, there's any number of arguments you can use to be like, well, you know, and any little edge is going to, you know, save your life. It's like, yeah, yeah, it is. But you know, if you, if you practice with something and you're really consistent with it and you are really used to what you're using, I mean, I think that kind of trumps any upgrade personally, that, right. you know, being, being accustomed to something so that it's automatic and you don't have to think about it, I think is, is really more important. Yeah. And no, I mean, especially, I mean, and I know, I know you work, you know, sometimes you're in Chicago. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. And I can imagine how, prosecution could try to use modifications to a firearm to eat you alive yeah and that's that's another thing to consider as well i mean basically you gotta always think of the you know umpteen million ways that somebody's going to try to fuck you in court and um you know the, the less ammunition you give them the better um so yeah i mean that's kind of you know i don't i don't have the the punisher black plate or anything i don't have the you know well, why uh, not why yeah, not the, the, you need it <laughs> yeah the the year fucks lower on my ARs or anything like that. You know, now does your does your back plate at least say I don't dial nine one one? No, it's got a thin blue line on it. Right? Ooh. <laughs> Take that in your pipe and smoke it, guys. <laughs> and now you're gonna have your entire page littered in the comments saying that you're a bootlicker. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. No, I promise you guys. <laughs> Isn't that wild how that can happen? Like you make one one offhanded joke or you make one post and everyone's like, why do you think like that? Do I know. Think- you know, it's it's funny because I'm at the point now where like I've I've been doing this for long enough and enough people know me by now that like it's it's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, but I I remember when I was just starting out and you know, you're kind of still finding your audience. You're still kind of um sussing out exactly what people are going to find acceptable and what's you know going to get you in trouble and uh i remember yeah a, a bunch of times especially early on when you know i'd say some offhanded remark and it would just it would turn into a shit show for like weeks <laughs> and it was like oh my god all right all right <laughs> yeah you're sitting there like i mean if i delete this this is gonna get a lot worse but if exactly. i don't delete it my notifications are never going to end yeah, pretty much. It's just, it's just, just own it, you know? <laughs> um, and now I just do it for the laughs. I mean, sometimes I'll just say something completely fucking outrageous, you know, everybody's just gonna be like, oh, that's it for you, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, just, I, I think my favorite one has still been that the, that the dress is white and gold. Yes, that's my absolute favorite one. Um, I mean, that <laughs> one got wild. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah no I, I love arguing about that fucking dress especially when you like take the eyedropper tool in photoshop right right show them like this is what it is like well no it's just your eyes that aren't seeing it's like like a computer's doing the looking for me man i can see <laughs> black and white and the computer's telling me something different exactly <laughs> exactly and now and then you get the uh the photography nerds that um you know they uh, they come in, in guns blazing with that one it's just like yeah you know you you don't even know photography man it's like well yeah man i know you can play with levels as much as you want to get the effect you want that's kind of the point you know yeah and it's i mean like and the other thing is it's like i mean if that dress was like pitch black like there the amount of editing that you would have to do on the camera <laughs> settings to get that oh, yeah. dress gold like where's the where's the <laughs> pixelation why isn't it why isn't it all distorted exactly <laughs> and they call themselves nerds i know, I know. <laughs> it's like the people that go oh i love pokemon oh yeah that one's pikachu right and it ends up being a charmander it's like are you really are you really a pokemon fan <laughs> i'm gonna take your word on that one man I, <laughs> that was a little uh, after my time when i was growing up so I, I don't think i ever got into pokemon i fully accept the fact that i am now a weeb okay you know yeah yeah you gotta own your own shit you, you have to you absolutely have to oh, yeah. i uh i made my wife recently watch uh cowboy bebop which i i know is the anime for people that hate anime but um you know she she watched a couple episodes so she's like oh okay i get it this is pretty good yeah it is like, I, I i've gotten to watch one episode of that but i'm so far behind on everything but the one the one that pisses me off to this day is full metal alchemist oh yeah and oh, yeah. you know which episode I'm talking about. Uh, is, is the one with the uh, the Chimera thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still oh, get yeah, that's... physically angry about that. Every single time I think about that, I get physically angry. And, every <laughs> yeah, and that's per- good writing, though. <laughs> it is, it is. And what I love is, like, every person that goes, hey, anime's for kids. It's like, this is the anime. You need to go and find this episode in particular. And you need to watch it. Yeah. And then I always get a text. Why would you make me watch that? That is so bad. It's like, I thought it was just for kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like the uh, the dog episode in Futurama. Uh, you know. Oh, my bring, God. You'll bring why everybody to tears with that. Why? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember uh, I, I was first married with my wife and, and we were you know, basically squatting in this farmhouse um, way back when. And this is, uh, you know, like seven, eight years ago by now. You at least weren't getting swifty, right? No, no, no. We weren't shooting on the floor or anything like that. Although we were <laughs> um, running the oven at some point um, because we ran out of propane and the guys wouldn't come for like two days. Dude, and- I hated that. I yeah. hated that about my last house. Like you'd run out of propane and there'd be snow on there. Like, Sorry, it's too dangerous for, for us to drive down the road. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was insane. And and I remember um, the, the pipes were electrocuted, luckily, so like that didn't break. Um, but the house itself, because it was all um, propane heated, uh, that was freezing. And then the electric stove was the only thing that we were able to just keep running. So I just <laughs> that thing open, warming the kitchen. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so ghetto. I need to make a change. But uh, anyway, to, to, to circle back to the point, um, we were watching... Uh, uh, Futurama we were kind of doing the marathon of that and you know she'd get home from work and we'd watch it and 
we got to the dog episode and she looks at me she's like why would you show me that what the hell <laughs> she's just like literally like this, this woman like never cries at like tv or anything like that she's like welling up with tears in her eyes I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that'll, Futurama that'll you. was really good it was, I was surprised it was. at how good it was yeah and uh yeah it's it's uh it's a superbly superbly written show and that's kind of one of those um examples of shows that uh you know they kind of use dumb humor in a smart way to kind of really convey the uh the the message uh, better than like the the shows that are like you know like big bang theory or something like that you know, big bang theories so yeah they terrible. try to be yeah they they're, they're pretentious about like trying to be smart but like they're really they just come off as like you know dicks crappy yeah it's it's, it's just horrible so uh, I, it, yeah, they, it, I can't watch that show it, no it's, it's i can't so annoying it, yeah, you, you, you got to watch, um, I think there's a YouTube video where you got to watch it without the uh, laugh track in it. And it just, it's it's the worst thing ever because <laughs> none of the jokes land. You, you never realize how much uh, like a sitcom will like lean on the laugh track in order to kind of carry its jokes and carry its flow. Um, and when you remove that, like the, the pacing of it is so awkward and so just uncomfortable. You just, you can't watch it for more than five minutes without being like, <laughs> did you know those laugh tracks are, are mostly done? Like they were recorded back in the fifties. So everyone yeah, that's yeah, laughing is dead. Yeah. They're dead people. Yeah. I think it was Andy Kaufman that, uh, that first identified that. <laughs> I want, would that be classified as listening to ghosts? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's uh yeah, uh, is it um, camera obscura or something like that? I, yeah, I, I don't know the exact term of it, but yeah, it's you're basically like uh, the echoes of time are kind of resonating through your TV. There. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever? Uh, that's a, that that brings up a good question. Have you yep. ever been hired to investigate paranormal activity? Paranormal activity, um, not in an official private eye capacity. Um, I, I remember when I was younger, though, like I did have, um, you know, people that were kind of, you know, because where I grew up, there was a lot of uh, old kind of creepy Victorians and farmhouses and stuff, and you know, people would you know, try to convince me to go ghost hunting there. And, you know, um, to be perfectly honest, I was usually just an excuse to get laid. Um, you know, you go there and, you know, you find some chick that really wanted to be scared and, you know, that, that was that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that was about the extent of my paranormal <laughs> research right there was, was, was that, uh, yeah, not, nothing spectacular, a little, a little salacious. <laughs> Would you take on a paranormal case if someone came up to you and was like, Hey, Ed, I got uh, shit's going crazy in my house. I don't know if it's someone living in the walls or what. Will you come and look at it? I'll give you a hundred bucks. Oh, fuck yeah, for a hundred bucks? No, I'll, I'll tell your grandmother talked to me and, you know, told me <laughs> where the, the money was hidden for a hundred bucks. Are you going to bring know. the glass ball and all? Yeah, exactly. You know, no, I'll, I'll, I'll get up the, the dowsing rods and the divination shit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> dowsing rods. The dowsing rods. Yeah, exactly. I'll make them cross too because I can just kind of flex my hands a little bit and you know be like, oh, she's over here, you know. <laughs> I've always loved that about the shows. They're like, I'm not moving my fingers at all. It's like you're tense now, bud. We we yeah. can see you, we can yeah. see your tendons just moving just slightly. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I remember, um, yeah, when I was growing up, there was there was a lot of people that my parents used to hang out with that were super into that, and uh, they would, you know, they would douse the backyard and. You know, the, the, the lines would cross and, you know, they'd be like, oh, it's over here. And I'm thinking to myself, like, well, actually, that's where the septic tank is. So, yeah, that probably actually is why it crossed. 
but yeah, yeah no no you do you guys yeah it's crazy how people don't realize like like today we had a show on my neighbor some scary stories and his control his playstation 3 controller fell on the ground and then the other yep. one was attached to the ps3 through a, a cord and it was just hanging there i'm like those were on your ps3 when we came in it's like oh shit yeah they were and then i remembered oh yeah i knocked into your i knocked into the bookshelf when i came in <laughs> oops <laughs> he was he was he was almost ghost white when he saw the one hanging he's like that was sitting on the playstation when we came in and it hasn't moved in months <laughs> well you know my ass is haunted but uh, you know. <laughs> maybe it was just that all right so i gotta ask you you said that you carry your stethoscope in your bag yeah what else do you carry in your bag Oh geez, uh, what don't I carry? Um, standard, uh, standard PI kit, or just like what I just take in my car? Like, uh, are we? Well, let's. Uh, I mean, let's. You know, break down both. Yeah, why not? Um, so if I'm just going out, uh, you know, I got my usual kind of road kit. You know, your, your flares and, and flags and all that shit. Um, you know, the the um, utility hammer to break windows and stuff. That's that's usually in the door. Um, you know, you can cut seatbelts with that too and stuff. Um, no, do you, you know, use do you, like for for smashing the windows? Are you actually talking about like an actual hammer, or does this thing have like the? Uh, it's like it's like designed for uh, for car windows specifically. It's gotcha. Like a, it's like a diamond tip type of thing, and uh, you know that's that's just kind of you know sitting by my um, uh, passenger my driver's side door, and then uh, yeah, in, in the bag, you know, I got a first aid kit, I got uh, you know stethoscope, I got basically anything that. If I come across like a car accident or stuff, which um, it's weird that it's happened more than once, but it has happened quite often. In fact, um, well, I guess when you're on the road all the time, it's it's bound to happen. And um, you know, if I'm the first one on the scene, I always want to make sure I got my bag with me and you know, glove up and and kind of take vitals and make sure nobody's you know bleeding out or anything um, before the ambulances get there. And uh, you know, it, it is kind of one of those things that like some guys will appreciate if you take vitals um at the scene and kind of like relay it to the medics um a lot of guys i'm, I'm just going to be perfectly honest like they're just going to discount your stuff because they're not going to believe you they're going to be like all right i don't know this guy from adam i don't know if he actually knows how to read vitals or anything so i'm not going to use his yeah um, i guess you know i guess if i was in an accident that's what i'd want them to do too right you know, so just to be safe exactly so i i usually um, I don't take like baseline vitals, you know, I don't usually do blood pressure unless the person like tells me like I got a heart condition or something like that while I'm working on them. Um, and uh, I remember uh, it was about two years ago, I was up on uh, I-39 in Wisconsin. I was uh, going to see my aunt and um, I was just coming back from a case and I was on the road and on the highway. And then I was the first one to this massive, massive pileup. And it was like, it involved a semi and involved probably four or five cars. And they were all just in various states of like flipped over and twisted and shit. And I remember just having to like, I was wearing my sneakers too, because it was a summer. And, and uh, that was kind of prompted me to, to get um, 
you know, safety shoes um, for summer work. Cause if I had to do that again, I didn't want to get busted glass through my feet. Yeah, but I remember, you know, oh yeah, it would suck. And I, I remember I was, I was really careful. I had to like bound over these cars, but also like be very careful where I landed. Cause you know, there's fucking broken glass everywhere. And uh, you know, I'm the first one there. So I have to like tell everybody, um, you know, like turn off your car, turn off your car, you know, kill the engine, get out, like stay there. You know, and I'm just kind of directing everything. I run to the guy that's like most injured. And it's this old fucking guy. He's like maybe 70 years old and he's got a fucking uh, nipped karate. <laughs> and he's like fucking Ooh. gushing blood there. So I run up, tear off my shirt and I just like pack it right off the bat. And uh, this so was, this kid, in, was this in, was this in a, I survived the Caliuga like, like kind of scene where you just like ripped your shirt like in half down the center. Or... <laughs> no, I just, I like pulled it over my head. Like I was, I wasn't, you know, doing a Hulk or anything. Um, but uh, no, I, I took it off. I, I was packing the guy's, uh, you know, wound and everything like that. Just keeping direct pressure on it. And some, some kid, he was like, a, um, he was a firefighter student actually. And uh, you know, he just basically had gotten out of school that day and uh, he was driving back home. And so he was like second one on the scene. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm a volunteer firefighter. I'm here to help. I'm like, okay, pressure right here. And so I, I had him hold my shirt on this guy's neck. And then I ran back to my car, got my bag, got all my kids, and like ran back. And I took my shirt off the, the guy and like packed over everything with like gauze and stuff. And I was able to control the bleeding. And, um, you know, and then once that was kind of stabilized, I ran to the other cars, making sure everything was off. And it was just, it was a big fucking clusterfuck. The whole thing ended up being like 45 minutes on scene of me you know, making sure that nobody was going to explode or die or anything like that. And then the fire department finally got there. And it was probably another three hours before the road was clear enough for me to actually, it was terrible. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I may not be a medic anymore, but I guess, you know, that's not a, a skill you'll lose. Right, man, that would be, that'd be, but at least you didn't just sit there like most people. Well, yeah, you know, I, I figure if you got the, if you have the means and the know-how, you know, you kind of have to, um, as much as I, I talk a big game about hating most of humanity, I, I do have that kind of, uh, I, maybe it's just a pathological hero complex or something, but, uh, I kind of have that automatic reflex of just like, I gotta, you know, intercede. And, um, you know, I think, I think, I think it's one thing to be able to say that you hate humanity, which I think most people do, but it's another thing to, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm one of the people that where I, I really don't give a shit about your average person. But right, you know, I, I still believe in it, the good that you put out. You're going to be getting it back. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even expecting any kind of return on investment. Honestly. Right. It's just, it's just kind of like a, a motor reflex at this point. You know, you kind of like you do the thing because it just seems like that's what you got to do, and then you kind of go home and. You know, you think to yourself, like, yeah, I probably bullied this person on the internet at some point, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just what you do. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think if most of the world ends up being that way, when the chips are down, I think, you know, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really what it comes down to is like, you can be as much of a cocksucker on the internet as you want, but as soon as you're, you know, in an actual dangerous life or death situation and, you know, you know, your quality you know all the other bullshit doesn't really matter right you just need to be you need to put in you need to be the person that you want to see right right exactly all right so for your regular day-to-day bag you've got your you've got your regular car crash stuff like your road flares your do you have caution triangles yes really so you do the do you do the flares and the triangles if there's an accident or do you do one or the other um 
I mean, if it's a night, yeah, obviously I would do both, but, uh, you know, usually it would be just like put out the triangles because, you know, if I'm, if I got like a busted ass tire or something like that, or like a really mangled up situation, you know, it's usually on a rural road where nobody's coming anyway. Um, so yeah, I, it, it kind of, it really depends. There's no real, um, one way or another answer for it. Um, it just kind of depends on the situation, I guess, um, on what I grabbed first. And then, uh, you know, for my work, um, I got my notebooks, I got my various disguises. Um, I've got, uh, okay. What is your favorite disguise? uh, Favorite disguise. Uh, I mean, clipboard and and hard hat are kind of the the go-to, but like, um, I have a bunch of, uh, uh, door magnets and stuff, um, you know, for dummy corporations and and things that I work for that I don't actually work for. (laughs) Um, and I'll, I'll throw those on the side of my car if I want to park in an area for a while. Um, and you know, I'll just kind of sit there, and and most of the time, if you got a door magnet on your on your car, and people drive by and they see that, and they kind of read like, okay, this guy's doing you know, wildlife survey or something like that, then they just drive by. Have um, you ever tried like putting putting this, uh, one of the magnets on that's just like completely preposterous, just to see if anyone would say anything about it? <laughs> well, I like uh, like the. Um... P.T. Barnum Circus uh, Scout or something like yeah, that. Or, or even like, yeah, the Honey Dipper Scooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I clean the uh, <laughs> I clean the septic tank in my <laughs> in my Mazda. Uh, no, I uh, I I, uh, I, I want to try that at some point just to just to get outrageous with it. Sometimes you kind of have to like play with it a little bit. Yeah. you know, you're going to get approached probably three or four times if you're on surveillance um, in a given eight hour day. That's just a given. Um, especially looking like me, you know, somebody parked out looking the way I do in, in an average neighborhood, they're going to assume I'm trying to rob the place. So, <laughs> um, I get a lot of people approach me, you know, and, and if a white guy with a beard is sitting in a car for an extended period of time, television has programmed them to, um, basically assume that he's up to no good. So that you're so, about to do a mass shooting in the middle of the yeah, street. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, it was, it was even before the mass shooting era. Uh, if you watch the Brinks home security commercials, um, it was always a guy that looked pretty much just like me um, breaking into people's houses. So yeah, that, that kind of uh, uh, psychology has been baked into people for a while. Um, you just need to tell him, you need to be like, Hey, look, I don't, I don't have the beanie on. You can't think like this anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, unless it's winter, and then I do have it on, and then you know, yeah, we got a problem. But yeah, then you got a that, problem. But they should be doing this in the summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I got a beanie on this summer, I'm either in Portland or you know, impersonating a douchebag. Um, but yeah, I uh, I got that um, you know that general stuff in my in my uh, work bag, and I've got uh, my gun on me, and uh, you know, lock picks. Um, not that I ever really use those on the job, but on the off chance that I would. I've got those. Um, I've got uh, my camera, obviously. It's probably the most important piece of equipment. Um, and which camera do you use, just for anyone that's curious? Uh, well, um, I use a Nikon P900, um, which is uh, higher tier as far as the point-and-shoot cameras go. Um, you know, there are there are better ones out there, but this one's it's really durable, and uh, it's got a really good zoom on it. And, and um, the video quality is, is high enough that I've actually... Um, gone to litigation with it before and um, I've had other investigators with their video being completely unreadable um, just like really really shittily compressed and even when you compress my video on off of my camera it still is you know you can tell what's going on in it so that's why I like it now does it have an onboard mic on it yeah yeah um most of the time uh depending on who you're working for they will mute the audio um just 
that's just part of it, um, either for compression issue um, problems or just to, um, you know, in case you're on your phone or something like that, and you're you're giving away trade secrets, they don't want to, you know, have right, that on right. on recording. Yeah, so uh, they, or may they have the court make fun of you for you listening to the you know the Spice Girls or something. Yeah, exactly, or, or you know, uh, various um, right of center podcasts. Uh, no, I uh, they they like to they like to mute the audio on that. And that's probably for a good reason. So um, yeah, I don't use the onboard mic too much. All right, so. I imagine you do a lot of sitting through your day. Yeah. So what would you recommend? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people out in the EDC community that are struggling with losing weight. Yes. What are things that you would recommend them check out and try doing in order to try and lose some weight, get their life back into better shape? Yeah. um, There's, there's a lot you can do. Um, What I think because, because, surveillance in particular is pretty sedentary. I think it's really important that you get into a um, routine of going to the gym on a regular basis, or at least working out at home, um, getting some sort of physical activity, you know, 15, 30 minutes, whatever you can take off the back end at the end of the day. And you can, um, you're, you're going to find at some point in your day, you're going to be dicking around on the toilet or on Facebook or whatever for a certain amount of time you could be lifting. You don't need to put in much. You just have to put in some, um, that'll keep your um muscle tone up that'll keep your strength up um and that'll that'll kind of keep you from getting weak at least as far as weight loss and and fat goes um i intermittent fast pretty much every day um i usually do like a 16 hour split um so i have a feeding window of about eight hours and then the rest of the time i'm just not eating and that will keep the pounds off quite quite well um your mileage may vary with how well it does but uh, for the most part most people have pretty good results with doing that and, um, you know, just eat clean. Uh, you know, it's really tempting, especially when you're on the road to eat a lot of gas station shit. Um, and and the poison dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm guilty of that too. I eat fucking hot dogs now. The hot dog story is pretty infamous now, but, (laughs) um, but, uh, no, I, I, for the most part, try to eat pretty clean and, uh, that will keep, um, that'll keep you in better shape than, than not. Um, and try to cut out things like, you know, Red Bull and sodas and, and all that crap um because that's just gonna like stick to you and it, it won't leave <laughs> yeah, especially around yeah. the middle so okay so uh when when you have your feeding period like are, are there specific things you know outside of, like candy bars and soda that you purposefully avoid to help yourself out um yeah my biggest uh my biggest issue um earlier this year when i was trying to do a cut was uh energy drinks uh, red bull in particular because i don't do the the sugar-free ones or the low carb ones or whatever um i think that all tastes like cat shit so yeah they I'm taste like that. shit it's yeah, like it's cut. like uh was a diet coke diet coke tastes so bad yeah yeah it, any any kind of fake sugar um the only one i found that doesn't taste like complete ass is uh xylitol uh, i think because i'm pretty sure that's a chiral sugar anyway so it's it's technically a left-handed version of sugar um so but, sugar baking about not being sugar yeah it's it's a it's a chiral type of sugar so it, it actually will kill the bacteria that would normally feed off of sugar it's kind of neat but um i don't think there's a lot of things that are sweetened with that um so you know that's not really an option as far as sodas go but uh yeah my big issue was um i would drink the normal ones and i would do that pretty early in the morning because i would get up at you know three or four in the morning 
And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously really tired, you know, because I get up that early. So you know, I'm slamming a fucking 20 ounce uh, Red Bull in first thing in the morning that immediately sets your, uh, your it kills your fast. So all those metabolic processes are, are starting up in your liver and all those enzymes are starting up and, and you're, all the all the good benefits of fasting are essentially mitigated at that point because you've already broken it. So that right off the bat was really um, fucking with me. And that was that was really causing me to kind of um, keep weight on. And I think at my heaviest, I was about 210. So I'm, you know, I'm not that big a guy, but like, you know, that was, I'm only 5'11". So it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty big on my frame. And, um, you know, I, uh, once I quit that, that was a lot easier to keep the pounds off. And then I quit um, alcohol for the most part. You know, I was, you know, I like to, to brood with a glass of bourbon now and then, but, um, you know, if you're doing Your gut it is day, nasty. Yeah. If it's you're doing it every day, it's going to fuck you. And it, you know, you got to really meter that. So I try to cut down the drinking to like once a week, if you can. Um, and that'll really help you out. Right now. Uh, here's a good question for you. For people yeah. that are, because there's a lot of people that try to do that fasting, but I think they go about doing it the wrong way. Yeah. You know, um, what's a good interval to start at? So uh, the easiest way I found to break into that was to um, stop eating at like six at night and uh, start eating again, probably around 11 or noon. And that's, that's a good general, like um, that's a good window to, to keep in mind. Um, for when you can kind of eat stuff because it's really uh most of that time or at least half of that time anyway is taken up by sleep um when you do that and then the rest of the day is, is pretty much just like you're just waiting to eat your first meal until you would normally eat lunch and i think that that helps out people a lot better than you know just kind of like fasting the entire day because they're going to get all kind of you know loopy from it most people they're still kind of sugar addicted so they're used to those insulin spikes and dips that uh, are pretty predictable when they eat so they get that really kind of crabby mentality the first couple of days when they're not used to, to fasting eventually you kind of get over that and and your um, mental acuity improves and your mood improves and, and your overall energy levels are, are better um but you have to get over that initial hurdle because, uh, you know, if you don't, you're going to have those sugar dips and spikes that are just, they're brutal and they'll, they'll keep you in that cycle. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really important to just kind of like ease your way into it and then be consistent with it. No, would you say like, like having a cup of coffee in the morning would kill a fast? No. Um, well, it depends. Uh, there's, there's, um, if it's black coffee, most of the literature out there suggests that, um, anything under 50 calories is not going to break a fast. Um, there's some literature out there that says otherwise that says like any xenobiotic that you put into your body is going to start those liver enzyme processes and, and basically, um, break a fast. Um, but general accepted, um, data out there suggests that it's, it's 50 calories and under. So black coffee, I think it's like five for like a 16 ounce cup, um, like five calories. So like, that's probably not going to break a fast for you. Um, so yeah, I do black coffee pretty much every morning. Um, and I just, I mean, is there really any other way to drink coffee though? I mean, really, I, yeah, I, I know people that do the cream and the sugar. I, I, um, my wife drinks it with cream in it. Cause I think the acidity of black coffee upsets her stomach, but I can understand um, that. Yeah, I, I always just drank mine black because, you know, why not? So I just uh, I just do that, and that's not going to break a fast for you. Um, yeah, and, and that's, that's kind of my, my nice morning ritual. You know, I get up, I'm like, i got to go to work. 
All right. <laughs> Let's get this started. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. No, I, I jest. I actually, I like getting up early when nobody's on the road. And you know, I, I, I like the world when it's nice and quiet. Yeah, there's two, like, there's two times during the day. And I, I use the term day loosely. Yep. Where everything is fantastic. It's either yep. super late at night mm-hmm. or it's super early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. One transitions into the other, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's like fall. Like fall yeah. is my favorite season. Exactly. Oh, it was it was great today. I was wearing my hoodie and everything. Got my 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 golden one hoodie on. Uh, uh, thanks, Matt, for giving me that. Um, and uh, yeah, I had my family out at the orchard today, and it was just nice, a great old time. Nice. Yeah, it was it was like idyllic today. So I was in a good mood. Um, I, I was actually ignoring the severe. I'm pretty sure developing rotator cuff issue that I've got. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i picked up my daughter and you know she's getting pretty big so you know i picked her up and it was just like this just searing pain in my shoulder I'm like fuck all right yeah you're trying not to shed that tear <laughs> yeah it was, it was bad it was really bad and i'm oh, like God. okay that sucks yeah. Uh, yeah well you know it really annoys me because i i try to train pretty consistently you know, you know to keep everything up because again it's a sedentary job and if you don't do that you're going to get you know you're going to turn into a chungus pretty quickly so um yeah it, it really sucks because i you know you, you kind of lose that momentum you were getting when you were um lifting every day and uh you know if, if you had a shoulder injury you're rehabbing you kind of have to work around it and it's just a pain in the ass and i just i hate, right. I hate, I hate getting injured <laughs> yeah i mean as you're as you get older it starts to become harder and harder well not harder but slower and slower to heal for yeah you. exactly yeah I'm, I'm 36 so you know i'm, I'm just kind of running up the clock at this point so Jeez, you're uh, a boomer <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> i'm only 27 i'm still a young man <laughs> yeah yeah i know your body's still regenerating and shit no i'm i'm stuck with what i got no I, I just have to maintain whatever i've accumulated so far until the end <laughs> yeah yeah see i still need to i need to quit smoking still yeah um, that was yeah. easy for me that um i had legionnaire's disease uh when i was smoking um right, right around the time i quit actually and uh that's like um whoever had like really bad covid symptoms picture that but like times infinity Ooh. and that's that's legionnaire's disease like that has a 30 30 percent fatality rate Damn. Um, yeah it's it's so higher up. than covid by quite a bit by quite a bit so like if you get that you are fucked and your lungs do not come back to normal i uh, cardio to this day is is challenging for me because my lungs have just been fucking trashed by that so is that caused by smoking no um most of the time you get it from air conditioners or uh, hot tubs um and when i got it i was about 20 so i think i got it from uh, my girlfriend's air conditioner in the dorms at niu wow wow yeah and uh to this day i think there's some graffiti in that dorm bathroom um that says uh, 554 is haunted uh, because it sounded like i was dying I was, hack- I was hacking up my lungs and it was like blood fucking tinge mucus every single day it was it was horrible um, see what's uh, like like i actually kind of get an idea of how bad that was because like september 2019 i'm pretty sure i had covid <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah and i i had i had covid um january of uh 2020 um so it was it was like right around that first wave of, of people i was probably patient zero in chicago actually um well did you and go then- and get tested <laughs> and they told you that you kept pop positive for nothing uh no you know by that time i was basically like only working in hot zones anyway so i I thought to myself like all right well either i already had it or i'm gonna get it because i'm not wearing pp um you know 
and I'm one of those people that recognize like the only PPE that works is a fucking N95 and gloves and a follow isolation suit, right? Uh, and I'm obviously I'm not wearing that when I'm out, you know, just doing my my regular job. So I'm in nothing but hot zones for the first six months of this thing, and uh, I didn't get it again. So I was like, okay, either I am miraculously immune to this thing, or I already had it. Um, and I'm pretty sure I already had it because I had all the symptoms and stuff. So I didn't bother getting the nasal swab or whatever. Uh, now it's an anal swab, and uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, and and like every variant that's come out since then, you know, haven't gotten that either. So I just, are we on Z? I'm, I'm sorry, uh, we're on, track. Yeah, it's like Delta six and fucking Zeta. And did you hear? Did you hear they're calling the one the Moo? The the the, the Mu? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna run out of Greek letters after a while. Oh my gotta, god! Like, add numbers after it's just it's fucking. Beautiful. They just need to put like like for that specific strain, it just needs to be the word COVID and then the yeah. cow emoji. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. With the, the spots and everything, <laughs> and you know, and, and I'm not like I'm not one of those guys that says like it doesn't exist because clearly, obviously, I already had it, and um, you know, I've had friends that have died of it. You know, I've recently um, I had a, a, one of my early followers of the page uh, just passed away from that. It was a very just sudden and tragic event, and um, my heart goes out to his family. But uh, you know, it now, is, if I remember of... correctly, his the GoFundMe is tagged at the top of "I Survived the California, yeah, correct? It is still there. The funeral was recently. Uh, it, it did it already um, come to pass, but I think the the family is still kind of struggling with the bill from the whole thing. So anybody who wants to chip in, please do. Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a worthy cause. Um, uh, he was a he's a great man. Um, so I, I highly encourage you to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, with all that said, um, I still take the piss out of the whole thing on a regular basis. And I'm, I'm still very much, uh, vocally against the, the mandates that come with it. Cause you know, freedom is really the last line you have and anything beyond that is just kind of like, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm very outspoken about that sort of thing, even if the consequences are what they are. Yeah, and everyone, I think everyone needs to be very outspoken about it because I am like the one boomer meme that has made that's been the most true has been the one, you know, we went from we went from my body, my choice to show me your papers really fast. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's, you know, I've uh, I've even lost uh, ties with family members and, you know, people that were really close to me um, over the whole thing. And, And that was specifically because they wanted to relinquish that final line of freedom. Um, that, you know, they, they don't really understand or they don't care that once that's gone, it, it doesn't come back without an enormous amount of bloodshed. And that's, that's historically proven. Like every single time this has happened historically, any kind of like government overreach, anytime that the power has been basically ceded to the state, um, they don't ever give it back unless you literally kill them and then make a new government. So that's, it's, it's like, it's really just, it's a scary thing when these people don't realize that. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to bludgeon them over the head with it, uh, until they get it. And sometimes they just don't, it's, you know, it's a sad thing, but. Um, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the best example that you can give to them that they might understand or the best analogy is, you know, imagine you found a suitcase filled with a million dollars and then someone told you, you had to give it back. Yeah, exactly. You know, are you? No. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. you'd be, if you say you're going to give it back, you're fucking lying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now, and even, even uh, to go further with analogy, say you had a million dollars and a gun. Um, 
and then the person said give it back or else but they don't have a gun but you do are you going to give it back then no <laughs> so that's that's basically the government at that point so you know yeah. it's it's like no guys you know they're they're definitely not going to rescind the control that they've wrested from us so why or why are you going along with it yeah patriot act prime example yeah exactly that never went away that kept getting renewed every single fucking year um that it came up and uh, i knew it would you know? yeah i think, <laughs> so right I, I think onset, everyone everyone that was paying attention knew like this is this is not going to go away at all ever yeah they're going to be like oh this is way too convenient we have look at all we've accomplished with you know these rules now in place yeah it's uh, like okay well uh, according to my watch we are out of afghanistan now <laughs> and uh it was supposed to expire now yeah nope <laughs> it's just like Psych. <laughs> yeah and no of course they're not going to get rid of it and, and they're not going to get rid of uh you know uh any of the uh amendment quashing regulatory bullshit that they've done to kind of get around the law with this and and they're gonna further empower agencies to kind of um litigate uh or sorry to to kind of bypass legislation um like they're doing with osha and stuff like that and it's, it's just going to keep going on with it until something collapses and i think we're kind of at the tail end of it but you know it's, it's we're steadily working road. towards it yeah it's going to be a bumpy road until then you know yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the, the Met Gala or whatever it's called. It's like you got all these people, the elite of this country, that are telling everyone they're a piece of shit if they don't get vaccinated or wear a mask. Right. Walking around without any masks. Yeah. And the help is wearing it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Exactly. And people are like, oh, we need to listen to them. It's like, you're an NPC, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, and you know that's that whole thing was just kind of um, it was almost the like shit a, show. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a surreal fuck you to the to the people that um, are actually trying to fight class warfare, uh, you know, and and kind of really um, eliminate that like obvious strata in our society. And it was it was like no, not only are we going to uh, you know uh, solidify that strata, we're going to rub it in your face that um, you know we told you otherwise. Uh, but we're still going to do it. So, so you got people like AOC there wearing that tax the rich dress, <laughs> and it's just like that's like the old. And she's not wearing a mask, and the help is wearing masks, you know, behind her. And it's just it's like such a oh, blatant oh, fuck you. The help, the help isn't just the help. The help owes sixty five thousand dollars in taxes, apparently. Oh yeah, yo, shocking, shocking. <laughs> yeah, and I bet you, I bet you next this time next year those uh, those taxes will have been miraculously uh, forgotten about. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I can't. You know, imagine. just like just like Pelosi and Feinstein <clears throat> putting all their money into, you know, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, etc. Yeah. 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 Well, it was it was a big, you know, big tra- transfer of uh of all that debt. You know, um tinfoil hat time, I'm pretty sure that the money laundering operation that was Afghanistan just kind of like stopped being tenable. So they uh they just kind of switched gears <laughs> to the the big uh Pharma, uh, pharmaceutical takeover in this country that they just kind of uh, now pushed on us, and I, I think it's just it's weird because it's just it was all too at once for me. Yeah, you know yeah. that they switch gears that suddenly. On at the you same got the time. military, you got the, the military company sitting in the corner with their arms crossed and they're puffing like a mad child, <laughs> and then the pharmaceutical companies are the one. You know that meme where it shows like the parent holding the one kid above the water and then the skeleton in the bottom. <laughs> like that skeleton is now the like like 
Lockheed and Martin and shit. And yeah. the kid that's being held above water, that's Maduran Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and before anyone asks, no, it's not the civilians that are holding up Johnson and Johnson. It's yeah. the government. It's the government. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's always been the government. Did Tuskegee uh, experiments anyone? Oh, right. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the weird thing about the whole thing is, uh, you know, I could, I could understand, you know, the, the kind of clueless middle-class white people um, going along with it because that's just kind of like they're, they're, they're like, okay, whatever the government, you know, knows best. We're just going to go. Yeah. It's their bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. But like uh, when you see the inner city, you know, black communities and Hispanic communities and and all that, they're going along with it. Um, I know some of them are just going along with it. So they don't get hassled, but like some of them are just like really all about it. It's like, what? Like, I, I know you kind of skip class and, and history in a lot, but like your own history that you tout, like it, it specifically beans you over the head with this shit since you're like a, a child that the Tuskegee yeah, experiments yeah, like yeah. basically murdered the, the family unit of, of the black man. Oh, yeah, you know? well, my and, favorite and, part is, yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's like you guys are literally saying that the U.S. government is the most racist entity in the United States. And here you are deep throating them telling you to get the jab. Yeah, it, it's fucking bizarre to me. And it, it's, it's just, um, it's it's kind of just showing exactly how prominent social engineering is really at play here, right? Uh, and it's it's uh, I noticed that like it's not law enforcement that's really um, keeping these things happening. It's it's uh, people behind the counters, regular people that are like kind of exercising their little bit of power, their little yeah. kind of like yeah. oh I'm going to stand up and do this. Uh, it's like clerks, you know, that are they're saying like, you know, I'm going to enforce this law, and I, I make sure to give them shit for it every single time it happens. Most of the time, uh, to to their credit, Illinois kind of backslid quite a bit um, with the the mask mandates and stuff, but it's been very very weakly enforced. I've noticed. I've only had to yell at like two people <laughs> since mm-hmm. it started. So, um, you know, it's I I, I did call. Uh, uh, <laughs> there was there's one guy uh, he wasn't even a clerk he was just like some some you know 50 year old boomer or whatever the hell and he decided to get nosy and he was saying something like you know sir you know you should really wear a mask and like you know fucking call the cops then it's just like <laughs> <laughs> it was just really you know and i i just like what what do you what do you even care man like shut up there's <laughs> like the people that wear it below their nose like i had i had a person there like which store did i go into I went into a, st- a store into a mall and, and the clerk was like, hey, I need you to put your mask on. It's like, you're wearing it below your nose. You know, you're not doing anything with that mask, yeah, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you're supposed to cover your nose. Like, I could spit in your face right now and you're going to inhale my saliva. You understand that, right? Yeah. No, they, they're doing it not as a, uh, as a measure of, like, you know, prophylaxis or anything like that. They're doing it because you were breaking the rules. You know? Yeah, yeah. The rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your company does not govern me. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love it there. I mean, there's like a giant movement, I guess, in the retail industry where a whole bunch of like store managers and stuff have basically told all of their districts that if they if the companies try to enforce the vaccines, the store leaders are just going to leave. Yeah. Oh, and that's like that, like all over the place in the country. Um, one of the companies I work for actually released a, uh, they did a very clever thing where they, they released an email um, in the form of a survey 
um, without directly asking us, um, you know, what, uh, you know, whether we've been vaccinated or not, because that's a violation of HIPAA, but they very cleverly kind of like said, like, uh, we're just asking you to volunteer that data. And obviously I told them, no, uh, I'm not going to volunteer that information, but uh, that, you know, they are kind of like feeling the waters a little bit like, okay, what kind of margins are we working with here? You know, what kind of percentages are we working with here where if we, uh, you know, if we say we were enforcing this, you know, how many people are we going to lose? Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of companies are kind of finding out they're like, we're going to lose way too much. Uh, it, it's not nearly a low enough margin where we can just let those people go. And uh, a lot of them are just like, fuck it, it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, everyone's everyone's pushing everyone to understand what their rights are when they're having an encounter with law enforcement. Right. Right now, I think I think it's time that we started forcing people to understand their rights as an employee of a company. Yeah. They need yeah, to understand, definitely. you know, the company can't come to you and tell you and ask you, directly ask you, have you gotten the shot or not? No. That breaks laws. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and people don't understand that. They don't even know what HIPAA is. Yeah, you know, no, I, I get I get beamed over the head with it um, on a you know regular basis because uh, you know it's kind of uh, part of the course of, for the job. Yeah, yeah, it's part and parcel of my job, but um, it's uh, it is something that I think everybody should really be aware of because it's it's a very powerful set of protections uh, against you um, having to divulge information that you're not comfortable divulging or that you know they have no right to anyway. Um, and yeah, like you don't even have to you don't even have to establish which race you are. If yeah yeah exactly. and they can't just yeah. like your manager can't come in and see oh you have white skin and go oh you're white and then yep. go back and report that they can't do that exactly uh and that's um you know i'm, I'm kind of of the uh, uh the school of thought where like nobody needs to know anything ever uh as far as uh any information of that nature so don't don't volunteer it um you know just just keep to your own counsel and the less ammunition they have against you of any kind the better and you need um, to find everyone, you, you need to go find yourselves an eagle. Yeah. You need to find an eagle and you need to make him your best friend and you need yes. to feed him snicker bars and open the cage every now and again so he can go potty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God, the eagle, what a guy. Always trying to save the day. <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Uh... I based them uh, like ninety percent of them. I based on coal, and then yeah, yeah. kind of threw in a little bit of uh, uh, Perry Mason in there just for fun. But um, he, uh, I, I adore that character. I love, I love the characters that have just kind of um, spawned out of that whole uh, thing. You know, I'll, I'll just be like writing up, uh, you know, a story or whatever. And I'll be like, I need this character, so like, I'll look through the backlog of people that have uh, sent me like face shots and stuff, and. You know, I look at the, all, all the material that they've given me and be like, okay, I'll use this one. And I just come up with a character based on their face. And, and uh, some of them are just kind of, it's just a lot of fun. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a big fun part of what I do uh, with the comics is just kind of like coming up with these characters and, you know, giving them a whole backstory that may or may not relate to the actual people behind the faces. <laughs> now, for everyone that's listening, we might have just told you not to relinquish all of your information, but what you need to do is you need to take, you know, several pictures of your face and you need to send them to I survived the Kali Yuga. So that way Ed has enough faces to do this for forever. That's right. That's right. So what's your favorite part of this comic, Ben? Has it been, has it been making the friends that you've made? Is it, is it seeing how people react? 
or what? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, the most rewarding part, um, uh, there was a guy that um, he, he said that he started off like 350 pounds or something like that. And he was a really big guy. He was just kind of down in the dumps about his life and everything. And he was just, he was just going through a lot. And uh, he started, you know, reading my comics um, from the beginning, uh, really early on. And, and I was kind of, you know, pressing the, you know, inspirational shit for a bit. And uh, he said that it kind of really got him the motivation to get in shape. And, and so he sent me, you know, kind of progress reports of, of all the weight he was losing over time. And he eventually got down to like 260 pounds from, you know, where he was at, which is pretty impressive. That is very then, impressive. Yeah, it was, it was really, really good. And then, um, you know, from there, uh, he got a new job. He got a wife. And, uh, you know, he was he was down on himself constantly saying, like, I would never be a dad. You know, I've never been cut out for this. And um, he just found out he's only a baby girl. And uh, wow. yeah, he's, he's basically he said, like, I owe it all to you, man. Like, you, you basically got me to this point. You know, you inspired me to, to get my life together. And that that right there, you know just that one and it's not it's not even just that one but like just that one if i only had that one it would have made everything i've done for the last couple of years worth it um so that i think is is really my favorite part of it is just kind of like seeing that um the the people that have been touched by this uh, one way or another and, and seeing how they've kind of you know changed their lives um you know based on what i've done either i've i've really made their day and made them laugh during a time when, you know, they were really just down in the dumps or, you know, I, I captivated them when all other media, uh, you know, they, they were just bored with it and they just, they didn't like anything anymore and they weren't just interested in anything anymore. And they started reading my comics and they suddenly their, their, their curiosity picked up again. And like, they, they felt inspired to like go out and do something creative again. Um, you know, it's just stuff like that. I, I think is, is just, it's really cool. And, uh, I absolutely love hearing that kind of stuff from you guys and, and, and seeing the positive impact I make, you know, because anybody can be a, a force for being a dick on the internet, but if you can actually change people's lives for the better, I mean, that's where, where it's really at. Right. And I mean, it really goes to show, I, mean, I know you don't usually, and I'm not going to say usually because we do bully people pretty oh, often. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> and you know what? Bullying really can't work. It really can yeah, work as a motivator. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You just got to do it. You got to finesse it. Yeah. It's not like plugging, you know, a, a plug into a light socket. You got to, you got to finesse it. Exactly. You got to exactly. fine tune your microphone. You got to fine tune your headphones, make sure you're hearing yourself properly. Mm -hmm. And then you go forward with the attack and then you bully the shit out of someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I try to, I do it for a comedic effect for the most part. Um, yeah, and every once in a while I'll do it because I'll see somebody doing something just hideously dysgenic, and I'm thinking to myself, like, somebody needs to knock some sense into you, so you stop the self-destructive path that you're <laughs> on, and then you know maybe you can get your shit together. Um, that has happened a couple of times, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I just do it because you know I got a I got a reader base that likes seeing my stuff pop up on their feed, and they see a comment I've made and they just fucking burst out laughing from it. You know, I've had lots of people message me this like i was on the toilet and i just fucking like laughed and shit at the same time it was so great <laughs> thank you man um so yeah it's, it's just stuff like that i i love hearing that you know from you guys it's it's just it makes my day <clears throat> all right so i'm gonna have to ask you to do a to answer a very very difficult question okay <laughs> all right which one of your comic strip one comic series there we go which book okay. 
which book and which chapter out of that book was your favorite comic to do? Oh, geez. Um, I think the one I had the most fun with, and I can look back on and be like, that was pretty well written. Um, there's two of them. The, the first one was um, Toys in the Attic, which was a fan favorite. That was, that was one that was basically, um, you know, it, it works as a good one-shot um, standalone thing. It works as a horror thing. It works as, a, you know, uh, just kind of like a nice you know, one-off of a comic. And uh, I, I look back on it and I'm like, okay, I enjoyed the way I wrote that. Um, I, you know, I did a remixed version of it recently um, last year around Halloween. And I, I put in, you know, uh, updated art styles and stuff. And I kind of like cleaned up the pages and, and made it a little bit more readable. And I didn't have to change much um, sorry, outside from the artwork. So that, uh, that one is probably my favorite. And then the second one um, would be the, uh, be the one where, and this one was more of a personal one for me because it is actually mostly based on a true story. And it was the one with uh, uh, a tour in Europe and I met Julian. And uh, that's a real guy. Uh, um, Julian's a real guy that uh, I met over there. He was a tramp. Um, I met him in um, Dingle in Ireland, and uh, he was uh, he was just a really cool guy. He was like the French Bob Dylan, and um, he kind of uh, mentored me almost a little bit. I think we were around the same age, but he kind of just was a little bit more worldly than I was, and he was a little bit more suave, and he was a lot bit more suave actually. And uh, you know, he he taught me like you know learn to cook because uh you know everybody's gonna love you if you learn to cook and, and he learned you know he taught me like uh just some some really good like tips on playing it cool like in crowds and, and and being around women and stuff like that so he was he was a really cool guy and and i didn't know him for very long but he kind of uh he set the tone for when i was out there and uh that that arc that i i kind of I wrote based on that. Uh, that's one of my favorites because that 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 is like something I can look back on and be like, "Oh, this is a fond memory I have." Actually, and which one was that from? Oh god, that was a uh, that was a walk in the shadows. That was that was in book two. Um, so it was one of the chapters of that. Now, have you ever thought about publishing these? Like, like <laughs> all the time. Uh, yeah, everybody's always on my ass about getting hard copies, and it's going to happen at some point. I can't tell you when. <laughs> um but uh yeah basically um because i don't have i'm a one-man operation at home you know so i'm i'm kind of just working off of my free time which You're is not supposed very... to be using your kids as slave labor man well they're not quite old enough for slave labor yet but uh once are they, they getting once there they're getting there they're getting there yeah gotcha. my daughter is yeah she's she's starting to read now so she's she's able to get it a little bit um and she's she's uh in the 98th percentile for height so she looks like a really big kid but um, she's uh, she's getting there pretty quick, so I think I'll be using her as a, a, <laughs> a child slave producer. <laughs> Ever push the cart through the store? Yeah, pretty. Much. I'm done doing this. I'm too old for it. Here you go. Yeah, help no, she she out. already she wants to help with like literally everything I'm doing. So you know, that's it's just a matter of time before she starts saying "fuck this." I don't want to help you, Dad, but. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying. I think you got a few years until that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm enjoying it while I can. <laughs> All right now, single most favorite. I, mean, I know you've made a lot, but single most favorite comic strip that you've done. Oh, my favorite comic strip. Oh Jesus! <laughs> you share yours. Uh, I'll share mine. Uh, let's hear yours first. Like, uh, 
Okay, mine's gonna be kind of a typical one, I think, because okay. it, it was from Cold Iron, and it was okay. one of your co- it was one of your cover photos. Okay. Did you hear Steve died? Steve Jobs died of ligma. Who the hell is Steve <laughs> Jobs? Ligma <Lick> balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was a good one. That I didn't even write that one actually. That was a um, that was a fan that sent that one. In. No kidding. Yeah, that was a, that was an edit of uh, one of the strips, and uh, he, he put in his great. own text there, and I was like, yeah. that's 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 fucking amazing. I love that. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't was, realize uh, that was a fan made one. No, that was a fan made one. I actually made a, a, a similar joke to that uh, months months earlier, um, where it was uh, it was Eagle and he was like holding somebody at gunpoint, and uh, he said like, "Who the hell is that?" and he shoots him. He says, "Like my balls." Uh, but yeah, the, the the delivery on that uh, on that one you're talking about, I think is is a little bit better done. I, I like it. Yeah, and that one that one was. Man, now I feel bad because I didn't realize that one wasn't one of the, that you. Oh made. no, 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 no! That was that was <laughs> that's a classic. I give full credit to the author of that one. <laughs> so, which one's uh, yours? My favorite. Oh my god. Um, yeah, let me let me just go through my archive here. I got about like three thousand strips to uh, <laughs> to peruse. <laughs> to, uh, actually, you know what? Here. You know what? I can remember one that I I'm pretty sure you did this one. Okay. Okay. The Jeffrey Dean Morgan coin. Oh yeah, that was that was a recent one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I've been following for a while, and I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I don't know where I came up with that idea. I think that was just like, I, I think I was sitting on the toilet that morning. <laughs> Thought to myself like, what is a weird shit coin that like would exist? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I'm right, waiting Jeffrey for Dean it. Now. I'm waiting for it now because like you know how many followers you have. There has to be one that's smart enough. To oh, make yeah. a fucking shit coin, yeah, and they're gonna I, make the yeah, yeah. I thought about uh, making a shit coin. I was I was looking at uh, like the how tos for minting your own shit coins using the uh, Litecoin architecture, and I'm not really a computer guy, so I didn't uh, I didn't follow through with it. But I was trying to make the black coin, you know, just to <laughs> give some people <laughs> some some complimentary hey, shit coins. I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> if you made it the black coin. I'm not saying that that would take off or anything. But there's a specific community that yeah. would love that coin. Absolutely, yeah. And and the more it's traded, the more valuable it gets. So like you guys just trade it amongst yourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as I get like 51 percent of the share, <laughs> <laughs> controlling stake in the in the, in the black coins. I'm down there, Elon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm always thinking about that. Rubbing my hands together. Uh no, I uh I got I have no idea what my favorite strip would be. Um oh god. Yeah, I I uh I don't want I want to leave too much uh dead air uh, in the conversation, so I'm gonna have to get back to you on that one. But that's, All right, uh, hey, that's yeah, fair, that's, that's fair. That's a good question. Um I am not sure. <laughs> Man, that three thousand <laughs> strips. Yeah, it's I think it's more than that. I'm I'm looking at my archives here. So if you did a book, if you did a book, okay, would yeah. you do all 3,000 in one sitting or would you split it up? I'd probably do a couple omnibuses. I, I arranged the folders to be um, original omnibus format. So like um, each book of, uh, of I Survived the Kali Yuga and in each of its iterations, there was I Survived the Kali Yuga, um, A Walk in the Shadows, Yellow Journalism, uh, dystopia and now it's a zeitgeist so there's been five books <clears throat> so would you if you had the chance to would you rename your page from i survived the Kali Yuga to something else 
Uh, well, I already did that um, a while ago. It used to be that 30-year-old greatest generation dude. Um, I don't even know why I named it that. I, it was what, what was that? That was like the when it first came out. Um, yeah, don't um, go back to that. No, no, no. That was that was like I think I was just kind of playing off of like a meme that, that already existed, like a 30-year-old boomer or something like that. And uh, it was funny because I was like 32 at the time that I made it. So I'm like, I'm not even 30 years old. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I started off as that and I tried to rename the page on Facebook and uh, they wouldn't let me because it was too dissimilar from the original title. So I took down that page and I wow. uh, put up I Survived the Kaliyuga and that's been up since. And now Kaliyuga, I Survived the Kaliyuga, that means that you survived the dark times? Uh, it's the Vedic Age of Strife. Um, the joke in it is uh, it doesn't end for about 760,000 years or something like that. So technically it's impossible to survive it. Um, but the, Unless you're uh, out of black, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of like played into the generational humor of it, which was, you know, me looking exactly the same uh, generation to generation. Uh, even though my dad does, obviously doesn't look anything like me, but, um, uh, you know, generation to, to generation, the Ed Black character is kind of the same. Um, and his, his name is the same throughout. It's kind of like, um, something called compared to the, the Jojo. I only watched a couple of episodes of that, but um, I think it was the same motif. Now, would you want someone picking this up after you die and continuing uh, the uh, stories of Ed Black? You know, I, I, I'll be dead, so I won't care. Uh, but uh, no, I think I, I, I would be actually kind of flattered if somebody liked that character that much um, and, and they thought that the, uh, the stories were worth telling that they wanted to really run with it. So I would, I would encourage it. Um, Cause you know, some, some characters are just kind of, they're enduring for a reason. And like the, the, you know, original authors, they, they stop being the property of those authors after a while, you know, when they become part of the, the public domain, essentially they'll, they'll just kind of become everyone's um, kind of like Conan the Barbarian is not really, you know, Robert Howard's anymore. He's kind of everybody's character. Probably. Right. And that's, uh, yeah, that's so, so that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, you know, it's, it's really easy, especially when you're starting out writing to kind of have, um, kind of take, take everything personally with the characters you create and kind of like put a little too much of yourself in them and a little too much, uh, uh, ego into, into how they're portrayed and everything. And I think you kind of get over that, uh, over time because it, it stops being a reflection of you after a while. It's, it just, it pretty much just becomes its own entity. You know, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that really does. All right, since unfortunately I only have a two-hour recording limit with my with my podcast host, not a problem. <laughs> I have to ask you: Is there anything that you want everyone to know about right now? Uh anything I want to know about? Um, yeah, hang in there, uh, because it is, um, it's really it seems dark right now and everything seems like it's shit and falling apart and uh, we're at the, the precipice of something really big. But I think that no matter how bad things are right now, situations like this aren't tenable forever. So it's really important that you not only hang on, but you find guys that agree with you, that think like you, that, that also really want this to be over and resolved um, in a way where we don't lose our freedoms. And I think that if you find each other and you stick together and you really make those, those bonds um, and solidify them, I think we're going to get through this okay. Um, 
Yeah, that's about all. That's a really good message. It's beautifully said. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this very special episode of the Just Pews podcast, the official podcast for JustPews.com. Remember to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Just Pews. Be sure to check out Ed Black. He is on the page, I Survived the Cowayuga. He makes the best comic strip in the world, bar none. He is the man, the myth, the legend, and apparently the good Samaritan. Ed, thank you so much for coming on and doing this podcast with me. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, you have a good one. You too, man.